Welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Sabine, the Purpose Lawyer. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping me be on purpose. All right. (laughs) So today I wanted to talk about something interesting. Um, I always get calls with these interesting scenarios that I think they're so helpful to kind of go through. So I try to keep them as anonymous as possible. But I want you to, you know, imagine with me for a moment. Um, Imagine that you are married and um, maybe you're not in the best relationship with your spouse, but nonetheless still married, not separated. And you find out, actually, before we get to that, you have most of your assets in your spouse's name because you don't want assets in your name. That's already a red flag, but say that's your situation. Um, Not only do you have property, but you also have accounts and, you know, um, undisclosed funds (laughs) in the name of your spouse and um, all kinds of things. And then you find out that your spouse passed away and you're like, oh, my God, you go through that process. You're grieving. Um, You're sad. And then you're like, wait a minute. I had all these assets in my spouse's name. So what happens to those assets now that you yourself did not own them? Are you in a position to just inherit those assets from your spouse? So then you go looking for documents. You're like, oh, I think my spouse did some planning. You go look for um, a document and you discover, oh, they sure enough did some planning. All right. (laughs) They did some planning. They had a will. They even had a trust. But you were left out of that, (laughs) those documents, right? So you are not a beneficiary of your spouse's estate. What happens now? Everything that you owned essentially was in your spouse's name and they disinherited you. So came across this scenario. um, And so one of the things to basically say is we got to do better, guys, ladies and gents. We got to do better because I think a lot of times either if you're dealing with a legal situation or you're dealing with a tax situation, there typically is a way around it that you can resolve it legally now if you're involved in criminal activities maybe not you know then you're talking about really hiding money but if it's a situation where you have a tax issue or you have a child support issue which i've seen these type of things as well find a way to either make up the irs always is i don't want to say always is willing but often if you don't hide and try to run from things and hide assets etc the IRS is usually willing to work with you on a payment plan and things of that nature. Um, if it is um, a situation where you have child support, you got to pay your child support. OK, like stop. <laughs> Come up with a plan. You usually it may not be the most favorable plan, but find a way where you can get someone who is um, a qualified attorney who can you know help you get a plan where you can actually pay back this back child support or and or continue to pay your future child support. It has to be done. Right. Because it's not going to go away. Those become liens and they will be there forever and things are going to catch up with you regardless of how you think that um you're slick and you're you're beating the system there's always a way that it's gonna come back around right so i don't know you know in in the scenario that i'm talking about why the funds were just in the spouse's name however this was the situation 
And so typically in most states, you cannot disinherit your wife, your spouse, right? You cannot disinherit your spouse because the law says that you got married and they don't want to be responsible for caring for your spouse through, you know, um, through government assistance and, and other things. So you have to leave something for your spouse. And they say that even if you decide that you are going to draft a document to disinherit your spouse, we're going to avoid it because... Your spouse has what's called an elective share. So an elective share, and it may be called something different in different states. Um, Each state has their own way of sort of like dealing with the spousal rights. However, for mostly as every state that I know of has, you know, these um, these type of laws. Right. So. It's called an elective share, um, and what happens is they get a certain amount. So they, it may be thirty, uh, the first thirty thousand or first fifty thousand, and then fifty percent of the rest. And so those allocations may be different in different states, but that's typically how it is. They get a flat sum, and then they get half of the balance, or they get everything, depending if you if you depending on what the state says. So if they give it all to your spouse, um, or if you got to split it with the kids then that's what it's going to be, right? Now, in this case where the spouse was disinherited, they would just get their elective share, whether if it's that, let's just use 50,000 plus half of the rest. And then the other half that was left would go according to the estate plan. So what I found interesting is the spouse who did the disinheriting obviously went to a lawyer, right, to do all of this. And um, typically, if you want to legally disinherit your spouse, your spouse has to agree. So sometimes, you know, couples find that they have enough or um, and they don't need um, a death benefit from their spouse or they'll or they'll um, not want to have too much assets so that they're not now dealing with tax issues. And so they'll say, all right, don't don't leave me anything. It's fine. Or I'm not going to contest your estate. Like say they had um, sometimes people get together later on in life, like in their 60s or their 70s. And they're like, well, obviously you had a whole entire life with all these other people that were there. I don't need anything from your estate. So I don't really, you know, I'm not going to contest your children and everybody else you want to leave it to can do that. So in order to do that, the spouse can actually waive their elective share, right? A spouse can say, I'm not going to, you can do your planning. I'm not going to go after your estate. And in this scenario, if the spouse doesn't go after the the estate, it's going to go accordingly, right? Um, But if there's nothing written that they signed to waive waive their rights to your estate they could just wait for you to pass away and then go after the estate right so um if you re- if that's really the intention the only legal way is to get a waiver um and so whatever the state requires you know get that waiver signed notarized and have that to be a part of your plan right and so in this case the attorneys that drafted it uh, either they didn't verify whether the person was married or not or didn't verify whether they're divorced. I think my understanding is that they thought they were separated. But if you think the person separated, they're still married. In order to actually be separated, you have to have a separation agreement, which is um, sort of like uh, an agreement where you kind of go through all of the different things like um, we're going to continue to use our name or not use our name. We're going to not file taxes together. We're going to um, not claim each other's insurance and this and that. We're not, you know, so all of the different things that are commingled in a marriage. If you want to be truly separated, you need to have a separation agreement drafted. 
and you guys need to sign it and you need to file it in court. Again, states vary, so they may have different requirements, but that's generally the things that need to happen for you to be separated. Because I hear people say all the time, oh, we're separated. Just because you moved out, <laughs> I don't care how many years it was, you know, if there was no legal action taken or no, nothing signed, then you're not separated. Like under the law, you're still married. And so all the things that tie you together continue to be the same. And so the proper way to do that was to file a, you know, a separation agreement. And another thing that a separation agreement does is it sort of like said stops the timeline running of, you know, the uh, marital assets being acquired. So certain states like that are community property states that say like what we get during the marriage is ours. I'm not sure if a separation agreement sort of like severs the community property from that point. Um, but in most states that are not community property, once you file that separation agreement, it's like, okay, we're still married, but like from we're, we're taking a break, <laughs> right? So they're not going to really count what happens after the separation agreement. So like say you decide to get divorced like a year after the separation they're not going to count that year because you had already filed a settlement agreement and that's what or separation agreement. And that's what they're kind of going to go by. Right. So that's why it's important to get legally separated. And <laughs> if someone was asking me, like, how do I know if we were separated? I'm like, you'd know <laughs> if you're separated because you have to sign. You know, it's a process. Right. You have to go through this and actually, you know, fill out the, the paperwork. So, yeah, you cannot disinherit your wife, your spouse. You are entitled. Um, each spouse is entitled to their elective share. And now so in the situation where the spouse plans and leaves all of their assets, you know, um, everywhere else but to you. Now, the process would be to, to go to court, to open up a, a, a matter in court and basically say it's probably going to be the, sur you know, the surrogate's court because of the fact that the person is deceased. That matter is basically going to have to um, basically call into court all of the assets, uh, you know, it's going to sort of dive deep into all of the planning documents. So that will, that trust that is supposed to be private is now going to have to be part of the court um, process because of the fact that we got to know where all these, what the, all the assets were and where they are. The good thing is because the planning was done, you know, there should be like a listing of all of the assets. There should be, you know, information within the trust as to what um, the estate actually is. And so, that will make it a little bit easier for the spouse to know what is that share that they are entitled to. But it's definitely something that it's going to now cost money. It's going to take time to sort of undo. And so I say make sure you're on the same page. Right. So what are the what do you need to do if you are actually estranged or you're not um, speaking to your spouse or in your mind you're separated? You want to take some steps to actually find out. Um, what assets each other's has. Make sure there is a, a plan in place for their life and, you know, as and their transition because you need to know what's actually going to happen. So I would, you know, I would say do these steps. Let me see how many steps I have. Six steps, right? So six steps that you need to take if you are um, estranged from your from your spouse or if you are um, separated in your mind. <laughs> um, so one, I would say step one is to separate your assets. So I did a whole video on separating your assets. 
And what are some of the things you should do? So, you know, your bank accounts, make sure that your beneficiary designations are changed if you don't want that person to receive assets when you pass away. So what am I talking about? If you have a beneficiary on your bank account, on your investment accounts, your life insurance, your your retirement accounts, you cannot change. Um, you cannot disinherit your spouse from that for sure. Um, they even if you do estate planning, you, your spouse has to be the first person on your um retirement accounts. So that's typically like your four hundred one k, and so um or any account that falls under ERISA, they they require that. So um. So for that, you cannot change. So you would need to be legally separated and or divorced, depending on what it, on the situation. But any other accounts that don't have those requirements, as long as you change the beneficiary, you would be okay. Um, so those are some things. Separate your assets, change your beneficiary designations. That's step one. Um, two, if your spouse has, if your spouse is, if your spouse has assets that belong to you, then you're gonna need to get those assets back, right? So it's gonna probably be some hard conversations. I wouldn't leave, um, especially if I'm, you know, in a relationship with someone who I'm estranged from, to be, you know, the custodian of my funds that, um, that I earned however I earn them, right? So you want to make sure you get back what's yours. And I wanted to get into a conversation about, you know, people putting things in other people's names. Um, it's just really not a good way to safeguard your assets. Like you're really, really putting yourself at risk, especially if it's for illegal reasons. Why? Because nobody's there to protect you, right? You cannot go to court and say, I was trying to hide these assets from the IRS. So I put them in my wife's name or I put it in my mom's name or whatever the case is. Like, don't do that. A lot of people put assets in their parents' name and, um, <laughs> You know, which is not a good idea because if their parents pass away and you have siblings and they don't have an estate plan that says, well, that asset belongs to you. Right. Then it's going to be split amongst everybody. It's not yours. So if you're going to do it, then make sure that person has an estate plan that says that this asset belongs to me. Right. Because if that's not there, it's not yours. And, you know, it's not yours right now in the first place. But, you know, when they when they when they pass on, you have no claim to it. Right. So that's not a way to plan. Um, so I already said separation agreement. So that's a, that's a proper way. That's number three. Um, number four is insurance policy. So now if in this case, uh, one spouse, the, the surviving spouse has an insurance policy on the other spouse, well, that can help compensate for um, either assets that were sort of quote unquote lost or having to go through a court process and, you know, try to get back the assets that were yours. Insurance can help with that. And um, insurance pays out fairly quickly. All you need is a death certificate and to be the beneficiary. So if you take out an insurance policy, that could work as well. And you could also outline, outline that in a separation agreement and you guys could agree to that. I know sometimes it's hard to get <laughs> get into agreement when you're having um, when you're not on the same page in a marriage. But, you know, these are things you could do like different people have different um, relationships. So it may be something that could work for you or someone, you know, um, a postnuptial agreement. So a postnuptial agreement is going to be something it's similar to a prenup, which you may have heard of. A postnup is a s similar thing where you just agree to what's going to happen with the assets when you um, when you separate or if you separate. Right. So you're already married, but you realize there's a need to make this sort of agreement and then you guys kind of go through all of the things. Right. So 
what's going to happen with each particular asset. Um, are you going to share percentage? What's going to happen if one of you passes away? Um, what's going to happen with your taxes, etc. All of the things that you consider as a married couple um, and or during divorce, then that's going to be what's in your postnuptial agreement. And that is something that you could do when you're, you know, feeling like, okay, maybe, you know, we're not where we thought we would be or we're not on the same page or you feel a little uneasy. You can do that. Right. So that was number five. And then number six is just to make sure you have proof of um, any agreements that you may have had, have proof of any assets that you have together. I don't believe that anybody in a marriage should be in the dark as to what each other you know, has or owns or whatever the case is. So while things are good and rosy, make sure you are on the same page and you know. Um, I think I, I did an episode about prenups. Yeah, prenups. And um, I talked about the fact that you have to disclose. You have to disclose all of your assets and say, you know, everything that you have. So even if you're not doing a prenup, probably a good idea to have that disclosure, right? Just for your own safety and information, um, especially if the person passes away, even if it's not a situation where they disinherit you, but you don't want to be trying to figure out where these assets are while you're grieving for your spouse, um, et cetera. And so I hope this was helpful to you. I thought it was a really interesting <laughs> scenario. And um, a lot of people want to know, like people stay stay married or stay in relationships uh, maybe longer than they should. I don't know. Um, or even when things are really not good or or get really bad, instead of just like dealing with the issues and working through it. They'll just like, you know, retreat <laughs> and just like not deal with it. You need to deal with it. It's not something that you could just look away. So I hope it's helpful to you. Have these conversations, spread the word, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>